This is District Sentinel Radio. It's the newscast of record for the left. I'm Sam Sachs. I am Sam Knight. And we're broadcasting out of Washington, D.C. Check out our website. It's districtsentinel.com. we got a full show for you today with the garbage can coming out later. Some file follies. Some news. Happy Pride Month to all our listeners. Yeah, it's 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 a hot one too as well. You know it. You know it's summer when pride comes around, and it's also hot as hell. In, yeah, in, it's the first in really Swamp hot City. day of the year so far. Walked outside right. briefly, and it's like nasty as fuck living in a swamp. But some good news to start the show out of the swamp. President Biden fixed it, man. He diffused. The Republicans' debt limit bomb. Boom. He successfully Aikidoed them. <laughs> and uh, now... <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I, I, I just... I can't, I can't do this anymore. Um, I was just trying to get my, my mind into the frame of, of one of those... Um, Blue, no matter who sickos, I just can't do it. It is tough. It is tough. I mean, there is a little bit of relief in a. I guess we won't suffer a catastrophic default, (laughs) and uh, b. uh, We don't really have to talk about this anymore because you know we've devoted the last few months to this 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 theater on the hill that ultimately was going to end this way like i think if any of us were to place bets 3 months ago on how this would end it would be biden striking some austerity budget with republicans to raise the debt limit and ultimately that's how it ended right but it's also like do you remember that time that fox news was showing that guy on the car chase and then he ended up killing himself on live TV and Shep Smith was like, oh, I'm sorry, guys. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that I didn't do. go so well. I mean, yeah, but by the same token, like you understand why it was covered. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm just trying to draw an analogy here to the to the debt ceiling. Like we don't want to talk about it. It sucks. But. It is very newsworthy. If it bleeds, it leads, sadly. And this is direct evidence of a deeply, deeply sick country. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not I'm not criticizing the coverage of it. You know, we had to cover it. But there is yes. the, there was always this inevitability to it. And there was, you know, some you know, ten percent chance probably that that McCarthy wouldn't be able to like deliver enough Republican votes for even an austerity budget and that we would default and Biden would just be there doddering like an idiot uh, because he refuses to exert any unilateral power whatsoever on the situation. Um, But I guess what annoys me out of all this now that it is uh, over, at least over for the next year and a half, because this does not get rid of the 
To the extent that Biden defused the debt limit bomb, he simply put a delay on the timer for a year and a half because this deal waives the debt limit. It doesn't raise it or anything. It waives it until 2025. At which point, you know, depending on what the composition of Congress looks like and all it will take is enough Republicans in the Senate to overcome a filibuster or control of one chamber. And maybe not even that much for Biden just to uh, negotiate another agreement, another round of austerity to increase the debt limit. So we are still trapped in this loop, which is why a lot of uh, progressives did vote against this because they didn't want to set a precedent of this happening now every year and a half, every two years. Um, interesting Ilhan Omar voted for the deal. That was a bit of a weird vote. I haven't seen an explanation for that. Yeah, I, I have not either. She, she should not have voted for the deal. Um, it didn't really matter in the end though, in terms of like, I mean, obviously one vote, um, in, in the house is marginal. Nevertheless, it, it was, it was never really close, was it? No, no. It won by like 200 votes. Biden releasing a message on Twitter, quote, just now senators from both parties voted to protect our hard-earned economic progress and prevent a first ever default. No one gets everything they want in negotiation, but make no mistake, this bipartisan agreement is a big win for our economy and the American people. Our work is far from finished, no. da, 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 whatever. Uh, it's just in this just encourages them to do it again next time. Yeah, how this is this is a just, big win? I, I, this is this is like, oh shit, I didn't blow my head off. That's a big win for me. And you know, that is for some people a big win each day. I will give them that. But like that is not the a big win for uh elected representatives to not sabotage the entire economy. I will say that um you know, I, I saw a tweet going around yesterday about um Jackass star Bam Margera. Um I don't mean to make light of his troubles, but he, he the the story was that Bam Margera was threatening to that he would smoke crack um, until he dies unless they let him see his estranged son or something. And this is just like interesting. interesting this is strategy, basically what the Republicans did. We're going to smoke crack until the country dies <laughs> unless you implement these reforms, which have no business being implemented either way they're not popular uh we're just getting them done because we are literally threatening to overdose everyone on crack yeah. and sadly and, i don't think it'll work for bam but it did work out for the republicans here exactly yeah i thought the uh, center for economic uh and policy reform uh issued a, a, a a statement that really resonated with me, which this the email subject was just like, this should not be allowed in a democracy. No, like we went off on this last week about just how absurd even having a debt limit is. Yeah. It's, um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's like some weird, you know, bizarro world Magna Carta shit where they're, <laughs> they're now starting to roll back. I don't know. I don't know. I'm getting to I'm getting out of my depth here. <clears throat> what I will say is this, I do know this. 
which is that I also apparently seem out of my depth talking about the economy because uh, I keep saying this shit's going to crash. And every month, the Labor Department just keeps pumping out numbers, like embarrassing me, humiliating me. Maybe we should become uh, BLS truthers. So here, here's where I'm at. Um, <laughs> You're not ruling it out, okay? I, no, no, I'm 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 not a BLS truther. I'm just trusting the process because there is a well documented lag in terms of the effect of monetary policy. It doesn't. It usually it it, it takes. There's debate over how long it takes, but it definitely takes several fiscal quarters several several quarters uh for for rate hikes to be felt and the rate hikes started in earnest uh in early 2022 and depending on who you read or what you believe the lag effect can be between like nine months and two years so even if you are on the, you know, the the lower end of that spectrum, right? Like we still have a lot of rate hikes to be felt in terms of the delay. And there're more to come. So you're telling me there's a chance. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying trust trust this shit, okay? Like you, you, you keep seeing data, right? You keep seeing other data. You pointed this out. Consumer credit, uh, you know, p- people have to borrow more uh, than they ever have before. And they're not putting it into investments for the future like a mortgage. The mortgage market is tightening. I saw an article saying that Costco is uh, sounding the alarm over what is being purchased. And I feel like Costco is a pretty reliable economic institution i'm actually yes, coming certainly. around i'm, I'm, I'm they, coming have, ar- they have solid hot dogs they also uh, are good anti-inflationary the economy yeah anti <laughs> anti-inflationary hot dogs I, I i'm starting to think like okay you know all those dipshits who say like run the government like a business what if we ran it like costco maybe it would work <laughs> <laughs> I will say I mean, this: that they pay like, their workers pretty well. I would, yeah. you know, yeah, and they have good hot dogs. But there Union are labor. certainly things that should be concerning for the economy, other than the interest rate hikes. And that is the one you're going to have government pulling back spending as a result of this debt limit agreement over the next two years. You're also seeing more unwinding of the social safety net, which is going to cut into demand. Uh, the debt limit agreement, which the Biden administration already announced it was going to start, this mandates it starts at reback the student loan repayments again in September, which is going to suck money out of the economy. You have 600,000 people who've lost their health insurance since April 1st, since Biden ended the COVID-19 pandemic emergency. Um, This is mostly people who relied on Medicaid who had gotten Medicaid through expanded enrollment or 
some other way. We're just on Medicaid, and over the last few years, states have maintained continuous enrollment because under the emergency, they weren't allowed to kick people off their roles in exchange they got more federal money. Well, now that's been ended, states have to re-sign everybody up. And that means people who are no longer eligible are going to lose their Medicaid, but it also means people who are totally eligible who have never been through a renewal process or didn't know that they have to renew it are going to lose their health insurance too. And that's what you're seeing with these in these numbers in the 600,000 people who've lost their health insurance since April 1st. Survey from the uh, Kaiser Family Foundation found that two-thirds of Medicaid enrollees are unaware that they have to renew their coverage this year. Some believe that states cannot kick them off Medicaid, even though that's exactly what's happening. Half of enrollees have never been through a renewal process before. So this is just going to be a big mess. And it's going to be catastrophic to people who are already struggling when they suddenly don't have health insurance and they need it. And it's been estimated that this, you know, we're at 600,000. This could get as high as 15 million people by next year who lose their health insurance as a result of this. Yeah. There, there, there are two other major um, road bumps on the, on the road ahead. Uh, Two major bumps on the road ahead. The resumption of student loan payments and the commercial real estate time bomb, which, you know, by all accounts, everyone is just waiting for that shit to uh, to hit the floor following the, the move to remote work. And uh, pe- people aren't going back to the office. Not certainly not in this, not in the same way that they used to. When you see all the uh, rich people in the financial press shrieking about work from home and how awful it is, it's because they have a lot of investments in commercial real estate. Well, that I, I think a lot of it too is um, just plain old surveillance. They yes. want all their their workers in the same place just to just to keep an eye on them and yeah. are irked by like it enrages them to think that their workers can like do something for themselves while also doing something for them, like baking a chicken while doing the expense reports or something. Yeah. Uh, so the, uh, border patrol basically killed an eight year old girl. What the fuck? Uh, I mean, I should footnote that with, uh, various legal disclaimers that shield us from litigation. Well, can the border patrol sue us for that? I don't know. I mean, maybe they can. The, the The point I was trying to make or possibly did make effectively, uh, if, if, if you're willing to give me some slack is that a report came out this week, just showing staggering levels of negligence in the death of an eight-year-old girl in custody uh, a few weeks ago. And it's pretty fucking disgusting. I'll just read uh, from the Associated Press here. Border Patrol medical staff declined to review the file of an eight-year-old girl with a chronic heart condition and rare blood disorder before she appeared to have a seizure and died on her ninth day in custody, an internal investigation found. 
U.S. Customs and Border Protection has said the child's parents shared the medical history with authorities on May 10th, a day after the family was taken into custody, but a nurse practitioner declined to review documents about the girl the day she died. That's according to CBP's Office of Professional Responsibility in uh, an initial statement Thursday on the death, which happened uh, about two weeks ago. Uh, The surveillance video system was out at the facility just conveniently, which, by the way, was against the law. Um, and, and it, you know, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not saying that in terms of like, oh, this, this was like, this was a total uh, uh, conspiracy that they disabled the video system for days and days just to hide their complicity in the death of this girl. No, they, they just, they can do whatever the fuck they want. And no one cares. Yeah. yeah, and they don't care. No. Uh, these aren't people who uh, their first mission is to preserve like the well-being of people who are in their custody uh, should be care. I mean, because, you know, especially an eight-year-old girl, like sort of inhumanity that, that exists there. Uh, Border Patrol or cops? <laughs> yeah, and this, this nurse practitioner who, um, you know, clearly... Uh, takes her take, takes the uh, Hippocratic oath very seriously. Uh, reported denying three or four requests from the girl's mother for an ambulance. Hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I guess I wasn't so worried about the litigation threat because they fucking killed this girl. They killed her. What else can you say? Not much, not much. And this happened, yeah, this this happened fucking back in May. <laughs> yeah, Anna Deeth was diagnosed with the flu May 14th at a temporary holding facility in Donna, Texas, and she was moved with her family to Harlingen. Staff had about nine encounters, nine encounters with Anna Deeth and her mother over the next four days at the Harlingen station until her death over concerns, including high fever, flu symptoms, nausea, and breathing difficulties. She's given medications, a cold pack, and a cold shower. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Yeah, this is Biden's border patrol here. (laughs) No matter who is president between Biden and Trump, the border policies are totally fascistic. And um, although Trump is promising to even kick it up a notch uh, if he is, if he wins re-election, said on day one he'd get rid of birthright citizenship which I don't think he can do. Uh, I think he'd need to get his his justices that he's appointed on the Supreme Court to weigh in on that, which probably is just an extra step, not exactly a huge impediment. No, but I mean, even even if he can't do it, even if the Supreme Court rules nine to zero that it's clearly it's in the Constitution and there's nothing he can do about it, it's like the, the damage he would do along the way is obviously massive. It... Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's uh, important to remind ourselves from time to time that things can definitely get worse. Uh, but but they do presently, they're not good. Ed, we'll talk more about the uh, the Border Patrol in this week's edition of File Follies. Yes, yes. Uh, Trump should also consider that things could get worse for him, too. <laughs> Reports are that there's a recording of him. 
seemingly acknowledging that he was in possession of classified documents that he had to take precautions over, even though his main defense in this classified documents investigation is that they were declassified as soon as he took them out of the White House as president through just his mind, he declassified them. Um, people people have like criticized a lot of the investigations into Trump for being too low level, that the crimes are, you know, too much low-hanging fruit compared to like the bigger crimes that Trump is doing. Like if you're going to go after a former president, make it be for real crimes. What they fail to consider is that investigators probably have a bunch of tapes of Trump admitting to doing crimes. <laughs> the one the one in New York for sure, <laughs> and this one as well, is that it's not so much they're trying to find like technicalities and stuff. They're just going after the easiest ones because Trump is on tape admitting to doing crimes in these ones. And he'll still probably wriggle out of it, okay? He'll still probably wriggle out of it. Yeah, yeah. That's it it is it's like insider trading where if you're dumb enough to talk about doing it, then you're gonna get caught. But if you aren't that dumb, then there are a million defenses you can you can mount. And um yeah, in this case, they're just dealing with someone who has no filter. And so that's interesting. People who rise to the highest levels of this country usually have like, if they don't have a filter, they're smart enough to know uh, when they're admitting to crimes. Yeah. What do you make of Chris Christie jumping in the race? He's set to announce his campaign next week. I think he's... um, my my initial thought is that Kushner is out in 2024. Like, even if Trump wins the presidency, Jared Kushner and Ivanka are going to not be White House advisors again. And Chris Christie is running because if Jared is out of the picture, he's got a shot. He's got a shot at, as as Trump's AG. So I think Christie is going to deliver some memorable owns of Ron DeSantis. That's what you think he's in for. He's in to be <laughs> Trump's hitman <laughs> against and, Ron DeSantis, just yeah, like he did Marco that, Rubio. And then he's going to bow out with like 0.7% of the vote. But we know how this story is going to end too, which is in the end, Christie's going to get humiliated and be passed up and not offered a job in the Trump administration. Yeah, I mean, he he's certainly said a lot of things that, uh, you know, he's he's criticized Trump in ways that uh, I'm sure Trump will never forgive or forget. So, but I mean, the bridge thing is just such a non-starter for so many people. And like, if you, you look back on it, it's like, it's so, it was so stupid. It was so vindictive. And like, what was the point? And who was the collateral damage? And the point was just to fucking fuck with this one mayor who endorsed his opponent. And the collateral damage was like everyone on the bridge. <laughs> and like, who hasn't been stuck in a traffic jam before?
Yeah, I mean, there were reports that people died too because yeah, it, ambulances couldn't get ambulance couldn't get through. People couldn't get to hospitals. Yeah, that I mean, that it it, it is really sadistic. <laughs> like even for the sickos in the Republican Party, it's too far. And there's no point. There's no there's no broader ideological goal. Well, I for one am looking forward to Chris Christie delivering a death blow to Ron DeSantis in the uh in the upcoming primary. Uh neither of them will make it much past New Hampshire, but uh we'll get some entertainment. We'll we'll get some laughs all the way to the grave here. Yeah, I think I think um I think Christie will embarrass himself less than DeSantis. Oh, for sure. I mean, it, the the expectations for Christie are already way lower, though. I mean, he's he's already embarrassed himself thoroughly. Like, what was the time he had the the, the beach picture where he had the beach all to himself before the oh, was it God. before the hurricane or something? I don't. No, there was some. Um, it was some funding dispute in state. There was like it was like there was a, a government shutdown in the state or something. So, uh, one of the one of the state beaches was closed, but he brought his family there, and uh, there was just like the photo of them on the empty beach. Chris Christie, man, Chris Christie, Chris right. fucking Christie. <laughs> I guess I'd also like to say that Chris Christie is just not a presidential name. It's too weird. <laughs> It's like it's like if your name was John Johns, Jonathan Johns, or like yeah. Jonathan Jonathans. Like, come on. Right. So file follies. Uh, so I have to update everyone. I advanced uh, a story. Uh, uh, the, the results of a FOIA request from the Federal Reserve. Um, this was from the Larry Summers related request uh, for. Jay Powell's emails, little refresher. There were 27 pages withheld entirely, uh, citing the deliberative process process exemption in part, and that in and of itself is somewhat revealing, showing that Larry Summers is a guy who has affected uh, deliberative process involving Jerome Powell, the head of the Federal Reserve. Uh, but there was also something... Uh, Powell was receiving, he he was subscribed to alerts for Larry Summers' Washington Post uh, op-ed columns. And so I emailed the Fed with with several questions, and I said, can you, can you tell me what other monetary policy analysts' uh, uh, column updates that Chairman Powell is subscribed to? And a Fed rep um, gets back to me and says, you're mischaracterizing something there because Jerome Powell did not subscribe to Larry Summers' uh, alerts. And you're going to have to ask Larry Summers' people how Jay Powell is getting those emails. And so sure enough, I, I email Larry Summers' uh, person and uh, I get confirmation that Larry Summers adds every contact in his outlook or whatever in his address book uh to the list and he blasts out his columns to everyone and jay powell was on the list and he got the columns 
And it just so happened that uh, what Larry Summers was saying is basically exactly what he did over the course of the next few months. Uh, and Larry Summers person pointed that out to me. You know, they're like, yeah, you know, on background, you should you should note that the Fed basically did everything that Larry said. And I was like, that that's basically the point of this. Ar- I didn't tell her that. That's basically the point of this article. It's like, thank you um, for thank you for the quote of the article, ma'am. Thank you for confirming that. Also, do you have any statement on um, on Dr. Summers uh, evidently concealing his involvement in a cryptocurrency company that went completely belly up? No response there, but mm. uh, it is fun to do the uh, the Columbo. Oh yeah, one more thing in the email thread. So anyway, um, just wanted to update you all on that and. Uh, that was interesting. Yeah, and people can read the article. Truthout.org. Um, it felt like Jerome Powell and Larry Summers were fighting in my Minchies, um, <laughs> which was a little weird and uh, made me feel like a bit of a, of a politico sicko for, for a few minutes there. Uh, but fortunately, I'm back. And this week, we are... Going once more into the FOIA.gov breach, dear friends, it's time to cast more nets. The subject of this investigation is the cynical militarized border operation that's being led by Texas Governor Greg Abbott, uh, which is now being supported by other opportunistic reactionary scumbag governors. This week, private equity worm Glenn Youngkin, who's also Virginia governor, said he would be sending 100 state National Guardsmen and 21 support personnel to assist Governor Abbott. The announcement was followed by similar orders from West Virginia Governor Jim Justice and South Carolina Governor Henry McMaster. The deployments came after Governor Abbott issued a call for help last month through the so-called Emergency Management Assistance Compact, which enables cooperation between states. Of course, Governor DeSantis was the first to volunteer, sending 800 troops and drones, because he's a fucking psycho. (laughs) (laughs) This is happening now because President Biden ended the national COVID emergency, which ended Title 42 immigration restrictions, which were imposed on the grounds of a national public health emergency, Republican governors have denounced the move as reckless, despite themselves basically calling COVID a hoax. Abbott initially stepped up state militarization of the border in 2021 in an operation ostensibly aimed at stopping drug smuggling and human trafficking, which, come on, no one, no one believes that. Certainly not anybody under the age of 80 years old. Of course, the uh, Biden administration is no stranger itself to militarized xenophobia. Last month, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin approved the deployment of 1,500 troops under his command to the U.S.-Mexico border ahead of Title 42 ending. This came after a request for personnel from the Department of Homeland Security. DHS does not appear to be helping Governor Abbott's operation, not at the highest levels anyway. More on this in a second. This leads me to believe that maybe I'll get something by asking DHS for records on the Abbott-led mission. 
Maybe if I focus on the agency's Office for Civil Rights and Civil Liberties, which is presumably somewhere in the DHS sub-basement next to a loud and smelly boiler room, possibly uh, next to some bathrooms with toilets that never work and always overflow. Of note, Governor Abbott is already being investigated by the Department of Justice for Civil Rights Abuses related to uh, his border mission. The Texas Tribune and ProPublica reported on the investigation last year through state records requests, noting, quote, thousands of immigrant men seeking to enter the country have been arrested for trespassing onto private property, and some have been kept in jail for weeks without charges being filed. In touting the operation's accomplishments, state officials included arrests with no connection to the border and statewide drug seizures. Trespassing cases represented the largest share of the operation's arrests. The Texas Department of Public Safety stopped counting some charges, including cockfighting, sexual assault, and stalking, after the Tribune and ProPublica began asking questions about their connections to border security. But... I do not want to overstate the Biden administration's opposition to this farce because it's allowing Border Patrol to partake. Last year, late last year, a top agency official testified before Texas state legislators asking them to change state law to enable closer cooperation with Border Patrol. The Texas Observer reported on the testimony from so-called Laredo Sector Chief Carl Landrum, who called for the state penal code to allow Border Patrol, quote, to arrest and assist in the prosecution of all state felonies and some misdemeanors. At least 25% of about 350 trespassing arrests made during August involved Border Patrol agents, the Observer reported, citing ACLU data. In some cases, agents directed troopers to immigrants on private property, in others, the agents detained and held people until state police officials could arrive and arrest them. And this cooperation could be stopped at any time on orders from President Biden or DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. Emma Wenger, an attorney with the uh, American Immigration Council, told The Observer, quote, the idea that the Biden administration would quietly sanction participation in a program that is discriminatory and subject to its own ongoing civil rights investigation is really troubling. So we'll see. Maybe DHS will just flush my request down a toilet. Yeah, well, the toilets are right next to the, to the info you're looking for. <laughs> well, those toilets don't work. We've already established, so they're going to have the to guy, go to one of the guy walking to that secret file room and with your DH with your request and just being like, "Yeah, you know what? There's a toilet right there." <laughs> Thank you for that, Sam. Uh, as always, people can uh, message us with files that they find or various FOIA requests that they're interested in. All right, interns. Bring out the garbage can. Oh, jeez. Oh, wow. Woof. Woof. What is that? I don't know what else is in there, but I see Chris Christie's beach towel hanging off the side of the garbage oh. can there. Oh, Chris. man. Chris. Oh, this episode's going to have to have a content warning. Oh, God. Oh, all right. Right there. That's good, interns. Thank you.
Ugh. Garbage candidate number one. Who else but Elon Musk, who's vacillating between anti-Semitism and transphobia. This week he chose transphobia. Uh, he caved to complaints from the Daily Wire creeps. Basically what's going on here is Musk made a deal that Twitter would buy the uh, What is a Woman transphobic documentary that Matt Walsh made. And then would air it on Twitter and promote it to everybody on Twitter. Something that Twitter's never done before for any other movie or anything, really. Musk is like, we're going to do this for you. Well, Twitter's censorship team or security team or safety team uh, watched the movie. and was like, uh, no, the fuck, we're not going to do this. This is hateful. And there's all these incidents of transphobia and shit. So we're not going to do this. And told the Daily Wire they're not going to do that. So uh, Ben Shapiro and Matt Walsh and the whole gang all melted down at Elon Musk. Complained how this is censorship. That they weren't having the fucking red carpet rolled out for them on Twitter. And having their movie promoted to every single person on the website. So Musk caved. I guess some people were fired at Twitter or have left over this. And then Musk himself shared the movie on Twitter saying that it's a must-watch for any parent. And what makes all this even more fucked up is Musk is the parent of a trans child who is now 18 and doesn't want anything to do with her father and has sued to have her name changed. Uh, Musk is just like... it. He's a psychopath. Like, he's a real psychopath. The dude has no... Compa- he has all these kids, but he doesn't like any of those kids. He doesn't care about his kids. He's just fucking to... to, to, to He believes to, like, save mankind, to populate his genes everywhere. Yeah. 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 I can't help but think that in several decades, people are going to be like, so, time machine, baby Elon Musk... <laughs> What do you do? Probably. Probably. Garbage candidate number two, Joe Manchin. He finally got his fucking pipeline. Mountain Valley pipeline uh, was included in the debt limit deal, a provision that would approve construction of it and also shield it from lawsuits. Uh, Just really kind of pisses me off on like a a personal level because I've watched him fail so many times to get this thing passed and then he finally got it and it really aggravates me. Manchin also voted this week to end President Biden's student loan forgiveness plan. Uh, This is the same thing we nominated MGP for. Rep. Marie Glusenkamp Perez who voted for the same bill in the House after she got her PPP loans forgiven. Well, Manchin and Senator John Tester voted for it in the Senate, as did independent Senator Kirsten Cinema. So that bill is now going to pass, although Biden is going to veto it to protect his own student loan program. However, it's likely the Supreme Court is going to kill it in the next few weeks. Speaking of the Supreme Court, garbage candidate number three, it's the dang Supreme Court. <laughs> Except Rack 
Justice Katanji Brown Jackson will leave her out of this because she was the lone dissent in a case this week. Eight to one, the court ruled in favor of a cement mixing company against the Teamsters Union. We could get into the weeds here a little bit. We have talked about this case before. It basically involves whether or not state courts should can be used by companies to sue unions for strike activity or if this is strictly in the purview of the National Labor Relations Board to determine whether or not certain strike activity is protected. What the Supreme Court did this week is make it a lot easier for companies to sue to suppress strikes, to sue for damages. So if, you know, in a couple weeks or a couple months, the UPS drivers go on strike, the Teamsters UPS drivers go on strike and company incurs damages from non-delivered packages, they'll be able to sue the shit out of the Teamsters, potentially, as a result of this Supreme Court ruling. Yeah, I mean, anytime there's a a legal ambiguity, uh, it's not good because someone's going to test that out. And as we've seen from the Roberts Court, it's often uh, reluctant to deliver a hammer blow in one fell swoop and i don't know it maybe this goes somewhere really dark maybe it's limited and uh the courts give a narrow ruling on it either way it sucks and why are we even having this fucking conversation because the supreme court sucks and it belongs in the garbage can yeah and uh Respect to Sean O'Brien, Teamsters president, who released a statement in response, uh, basically calling out how corrupt the Supreme Court is. Getting to the root of the problem here, that it's hard to achieve any labor gains with this Supreme Court. Yeah, just pointing out that organizing in solidarity, like, they can't take that away from us. Yeah. Garbage can number four, it's RFK Jr., who, uh, in probably the funniest way possible, fully endorsed Israel's ethnic cleansing campaign. He had tweeted in support of Roger Waters, who got into a bunch of uh, bullshit manufactured controversy from people who are unfamiliar with Pink Floyd. Uh, and he was accused of being a Nazi. Roger, yeah, they, tried, they tried to Corbin him. They tried to Corbin him. All yeah. the... All the Israel supporters, they swarmed him on, on social media. They're like, oh, my God, Roger Waters dressed up as a fascist. And he's just said the wall that he's been doing for like four decades. Yes. Uh, well, RFK Jr. tweeted in support of Roger Waters and then quietly deleted that tweet, which had people confused. Uh, he was asked about it. His explanation was that. He tweeted to defend Rogers' position on Ukraine and on vaccines, but was unaware of Waters' position on Israel and Palestine. Mm, yeah, the, um, the good stuff he likes? Mm, not into it. Yes. Uh, Vaccine stuff. At which point RFK Jr. did a full-throated defense of the apartheid government in Israel and its, quote, right to defend itself. Where's Sirhan Sirhan Jr. when you <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> uh, 
Are we cutting that out? No, not at all. Not at all. Parody joke, Minecraft. Not, Garbage not encouraging such a thing. Garbage candy number five, Andrew Wald. I don't even think Sirhan Sirhan has a junior, so it doesn't exist, so it's fine. There we go. Garbage candy number five, Andrew Wald. He is the Davenport, Iowa apartment building landlord. This is the apartment building that collapsed over the weekend. New uh, document releases from the city show that Wald was warned that his building was at imminent risk of collapse. He asked for a quote from a contractor for repairs. The contractor was like, this is going to take... A lot of repairs because this is really fucked up. It's so fucked up I won't let my workers in there unless you allow us to put up more supports. Wold was like, no, that's going to be too expensive. I'll shop around. Well, the building ended up collapsing. It's likely killed three people. There's three people unaccounted for. Authorities believe that they are uh, in the rubble. Um, sad story here, but just the textbook example of landlordism here, which Wold was trying to maximize his profits by neglecting building maintenance and upkeep. Uh, although he did uh, cross the, the line there and got to the point where the building actually collapsed. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's sort of in line with the landlord ethos, which is withholding housing, not providing housing. Yeah. And if you will withhold the housing to the point where you would rather risk it collapsing than pay money to maintain it. Like that's, that's just landlord brain. Yeah. Garbage kid at number six, Colonel Tucker Cinco Hamilton. This is the guy he's in the U S air force and he works with, uh, AI technology and fighter jets. And he told the Royal aeronautical society about this crazy story where he was, working with a team that had programmed uh, a drone to go on search and destroy missions. And before the drone could actually uh, fire on a target that it had identified, it needed permission from the human operator. And the drone, according to Colonel Hamilton, learned that if it took out the human operator, then it would no longer need permission and it could just go destroying everything it had identified. So it attacked the human operator. And then when the drone was given commands not to attack the human operator, it attacked the communications tower that the operator was using. This was like a pretty shocking story when it came out. Uh, it sort of speaks, sort of tickles our Terminator funny bone. Like, oh, wow, the Air Force created Skynet. This is disturbing. The next day, Colonel, Colonel Hamilton reached out to the Royal Aeronautical Society and said that he has misspoke and that none of this actually happened. Uh, it wasn't even a simulation or anything. He said it was a hypothetical thought experiment that was conceived of. There was no weapon tested. None of this, none of this happened. Well... Well, well, well. I guess AI is perfectly safe. Yeah. Nothing to worry about there in the end. No, that the, I mean, I look, I shared the story um, in, a, in an alarmist way when it was reported as true. And, you know, can you blame me for doing it? Um, this sucks. I mean, because 
more people will see the original story than the correction. And in you know his defense, I haven't shared the correction. <laughs> I, <laughs> I I covered the story on MMN, but I ended the story by saying that I'm pretty sure this didn't actually happen because it right. just seemed impo- implausible to me uh, that it seemed too much exactly like sci-fi movies. Yeah, I you know, I mean, I don't I'm not like beating myself up over it. I don't think like the the 15 likes that I got um, are going to make or break anything. Yeah. Uh but you know, you you got to you got to think about this. You got to think about how Yeah. Imagine everything you say is screen capped to a certain extent, you're especially Force, if you're like a, yeah. a military guy who's overseeing the goddamn AI. Yes, yes, yes. Speak a little bit more clearly. All right, who's going in the garbage can here? Uh, I mean, we could just make an entire garbage can show about Elon and and Joe Manchin. Yeah, they've all they've both been in the garbage can several times. I'm leaning toward Supreme, RFK Jr. or Andrew Wold. Oh, oh yeah. Let actually let's do Andrew Wold. This story, yeah, this do, story yeah, in Iowa is super fucked up. Yeah. So let's do this. Andrew Wold, you, you are, are going, going in the garbage, garbage can. can. Oh, oh, you know what? Um, an inspector came by and told me the garbage can is a super duper health hazard and might um, fucking collapse and crush you. But it costs like five bucks to fix. So I figured it wasn't really worth it. Sorry. Good luck in there. That's the show. Thanks for listening. Thanks for your support. We're going to be back next week with a brand new episode. We're here in D.C., so you don't have to be.